The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP. 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm host Michael Dow, and with me tonight are Susan Timberlake. Hey there. And uh, guest, though, hope she might become a regular at some point, (laughs) Anne Tallheimer. Hi, folks. With the inimitable genre running our board once again. (laughs) So, um, before we get started, I'd just like to mention a few things. We love to hear from you, and you can get in touch with us in a few different ways. you can email us, uh, civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. On Twitter, it's at civilpoliticsfm. And on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. Uh, also, we have a website which is called, uh, quite simply, civilpoliticsradio.com that has a list of uh previous episodes, recordings of them, links to things we talk about, <clears throat> and also some supplemental uh, things we do, talking about um, interesting topics, uh, or uh, like we did one recently about like what, we, what we'd what like to do if the Democrats can get control of one or both branches of Congress, um, uh, overtime discussions with, you know, uh, the mayor of Northampton and the Northampton chief of police, things like that. So... Um, uh, the website also has a link to our uh, special dedicated Google search that uh, our producer, uh, John, created uh, that uses trusted news sources that we all agree are, re- are reliable to either uh, to give information or to have uh, interestingly representative uh, viewpoints. Um, and that is uh, the link to that is right on the web page, uh, civilpoliticsradio.com. Uh, and we, John uses that uh, when we, where he's looking for backup links to post during the show. And during the show, when he posts uh, links to things on our Facebook page and our Twitter, he uses the hashtag civil references to make it easier for you to follow along at home, <clears throat> which, of course, you all are. So, um, yeah. Um, and it's great to have you back. Um, it's... Uh, I guess it's just sort of the new we normal. We did not plan this. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking about this today as I was finding out about what had happened in the news. I was like, oh, it, it always happens right before we're about Maybe to have a conversation Maybe we shouldn't have you radio. back. We'll never have her back <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Last yeah. time it was Stoneman, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And now it's, it's the Santa Fe, Texas high school. It's like that joke about, like, uh, Bono getting up on stage at a U2 concert and saying, like, you know, and start snapping his fingers. Every time I snap my fingers, a child is starving in Africa. And someone yells, stop snapping your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, maybe it's the opposite. When it happens, then and just appears. Yeah. <laughs> tell everyone to get involved and stop. Change, <laughs> some, change some laws. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's my plan. So, yeah. So, um well, so I, I don't know that uh, there's, in a way, I don't know that there's anything really to say about this particular incident because it's, it's fitting the pattern. Uh, a 17-year-old uh, uh, boy um, 
who I think got kicked out of the school, went back with he went back with a gun and killed a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't know what kind of gun it was. I don't know what reason. Shotgun. Uh, yeah, could be. Yeah, they were. The, I looked at the news before I came. Shotgun, yeah. And a okay. handgun. He had two guns. Yeah. yeah. Th- then my understanding is also those were legally owned by his father. Right. Um. So, yeah, this is all fairly typical. I did see an interview with one of the students uh, who was there, and she was devastated and she just said and 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 the news the the reporter asked her you know is this something you expected and you know like who could have imagined this have you found that no i I just think that's a dumb question yeah well it's it's a dumb question but her answer was a heartbreaking like no i've i i've always i've been expecting this to happen here for a while yeah i i saw that on facebook as well and and that is the unfortunate reality of the world that we're living in again remember that we live in a country where it is easier for schools and teachers and educators and principals to prepare students and teachers to evacuate in an active shooter drill than it is to keep guns out of schools. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, as I was driving over here, um, I had my car tuned, my car radio tuned to uh, uh, a Boston sports radio channel because they broadcast. Not us. Not us because <laughs> we don't broadcast Red Sox games. Oh, oh. Right. So I like you know if I'm driving around and I you know I enjoy listening mm-hmm. to baseball on the radio. So uh, so I I last been listening to the Sox and I turned it on and there are you know these talking heads from Boston sports radio and they're arguing about guns in schools. Oh. <laughs> they're arguing about. Oh, that's yes, because one of them is like we just need to arm teachers and more armed guards, and I'm just like, uh, okay. <laughs> and there was at least one person on the other side saying like, there already are, you know, like it didn't help in Florida. Well, yeah. even in Texas, there were two two armed people and the police chief, yeah, who came back and retrieved one of the armed people that had been shot, mm-hmm. and then um, went after the gunman. So they went right after the gunman, but it was difficult. But it it. It still, yeah, didn't save lives. Um, yeah. yeah, two two guards at one school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's pretty. I, I do you know how big the school is? I thought it was was it fourteen hundred? Is it huge? It's a pretty big school. I think. I don't know. I didn't even know there was a Santa Fe, Texas. <laughs> having only heard of the one in New Mexico. <laughs> so, or the car. <sighs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, it's it's horrible. It's familiar, mm-hmm. um, and um, I, I certainly don't want to want to stop anybody from saying something about it if if you want to. But to me, it sort of pivots to something I've been thinking about, which is kind of like what this show is about. You know, the idea of having civil politics, of talking about important issues, mm-hmm. and talking about them like adults, right. people who can use their inside voices. And use their words and actually pause to listen and think about what the other person says. Mm-hmm. And I realized that's getting harder for me to do. Not with you guys. I mean, you guys are, I, I know you, so, you know, it's, it's totally different. <laughs> but I mean, you know, but but seriously. It's you know, hard. To, it's hard. It's maybe the end of times for civility. Like certain things. I hope not. Well, that there's certain things that, you know, does there come a time when you shouldn't be civil anymore? Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely some things that I can't, that I cannot get down with people about. But at the same time, I've, I've long said that food is the great uniter. And I have this vision of like people mm. who really disagree. I like food. Getting together over dinner and being like, all right, let's break bread and have a conversation. Yeah. 
you know? I mean, I went to this, we didn't have food. I recently met with um, Senator Don Hummison. With State we, senator, yes. who represents me in, in East Hampton. Yeah. And, 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 and Holyoke. And yeah. Holyoke as well, Republican. yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we disagree on some key fundamental points, but we had a really good conversation. And yeah. I got to hear a lot about his background and why guns are an important part of his family culture. And sure. he goes shooting on Mother's Day with his mom. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I didn't either. And I was like, well, this is really interesting. This is not my culture, but this is something that's clearly important to him because it's really woven into the fabric of his family history. Like he was explaining that, um, I can't remember if it's a site or a stock or something. There's some piece of something that his mother gave to him that was a gift to her from someone else in her family that he wants to pass on to his son later on. And I was like... This is really interesting. This is yeah. really interesting to me. And this I is some sort of a, a, a very important heirloom. Yeah. heirloom and tradition. And yeah, yeah, and it's crucially important to his family. And and I get that. Like that that makes a lot of sense. It's not where I stand on guns, but we had a really good, really I thought civil conversation where we all kind of like learned a little bit more about each other. Because I was yeah. talking about my experience of having survived the murders at Simon's Rock, and he said, "Oh." I remember when that happened. Oh, that's yeah. good. Okay. Yeah, because he, I think, was just finishing his bachelor's degree out here at that point in 1992, and he was like, so yeah. So he was I, in the area. I, I, I just finished mine that, that spring. Yeah. yeah. And, and he was like, yes, I remembered it. I'm like, well, I lived it. I continue to live it. This is, And he's like, I, I don't, I, I don't, he was kind of, it had this moment where he was like, that must be so hard. I'm like, it, it kind of is. It is. It's difficult. Um but it was this this real moment as we were leaving he was talking about how some of his professors that he had worked and studied with had recently passed away and and how he was really kind of struck by that and he kind of looked at me and he was like i don't know how i don't know how you do it i'm like i miss nyahunyan all the time it's heartbreaking and we had this moment of like two humans politically opposed in many ways just kind of having that i get nice. it we have this kind of shared humanity and I disagree with him on a lot of points, um, but it was this the civil conversation that you're talking about. I yeah. was like, this gives me a lot of hope moving forward because I think he expected us to come in and like yell at him, and that he was going to yell at us, and it was not going to go anywhere. And instead, it was a totally different thing. That's very hopeful. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that today because I could stand to hear that today. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I, I I agree. I mean, uh, because. Um, since you were last on the show, mm-hmm. you went to the state house yep. and you were talking to people. That's where you had your conversation mm-hmm. with uh, Senator Humson. Oh no, no, I went to his, his district office over in Westfield. Out here. Oh, yeah. I thought you had a chat with him at the state house. Uh, no, as well. I didn't see him in the state house. Well, I had been at the state house doing different lobbying work mm-hmm. uh, back in February for yeah. the Airpo stuff, and then booked a meeting with him. And this is the great thing about democracy: is like you can get in touch with your elected officials and go to their office and talk to them. That's freaky. And I mean, you know, awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. People <laughs> yeah. don't do it enough. People don't know that they can do it, or people don't think that they are deserving of their elected officials' time. Yeah. And it nothing could be further from the truth. And also, maybe people just don't have the time to yeah, get there. Yeah, or the interest, or they're like, "I'm so done with politics. I'm super sick of this. I don't want to have even more conversations. Yeah. <laughs> like this is just going to make me mad." Yeah. <clears throat> which is certainly an issue. Mm-hmm. But like, um, oh, yes, I remember. But you posted um, uh, this Attorney General Maura Healy. Had, mm. what, what had she done again? I, I drawing a blank suddenly, but she <clears throat> she just accomplished something good. You posted a congratulations to her oh, right. on and Facebook. Then, and then that, all the trolls came out. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so they sure did. If I, if in broad strokes, uh, Maura Healy has been a longtime supporter of common sense gun legislation, and recently a. They had had an assault weapons ban, and they got very particular about it because frequently what happens is you ban an assault weapon, and of course people have issue with assault weapon as a term. She published a clarification, that's right, to say that in fact they had been, these knockoffs had been banned. Yeah. And she reaffirmed it, and actually all of us with gun permits, which I have one, I should Mm say, Mm -hmm. um, got a letter saying if you have these things, you need to- Turn it in. Turn it in, yeah. Yeah, and it was affirmed at the federal level because somebody had sued over this and at at a federal level they said, yeah, no, this is not a violation of the Second Amendment. This this law stands, and so I posted something because every once in a while I like to yeah. so show support to my elected officials. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I posted something like, as a gun violence survivor, you know, I appreciate your advocacy and your work, which is the same thing that I have said to her face. I've met her; she's lovely, and all of a sudden, these very angry men came after me, like post like. 18 or 20 like comments on this thing like you were just in the same place as people died you're not really a survivor someone else said too bad you survived oh lovely yeah and one of them followed them like came over to my own facebook page because this was right when my um there was a vice piece that came out uh after yes that interviewed you yeah i was Mm -hmm. interviewed along with 14 or 15 other different survivors of um, different school shootings who have varying different perspectives on guns and gun ownership and gun legislation. Um, and I had posted, because my Facebook is on pretty strict lockdown because of this kind of thing. And every once in a while, I'll post something publicly because people are like, oh, can I share this? I'm like, oh, okay, here you go. So this particular individual found me on Maura Healy's page, decided that he wanted to take issue with me followed me back to my own personal page on a public post that I had posted like two weeks before and decided to get into it with me yeah. in, in that sort of like, but I'm just here for a civil conversation. I'm like, I don't really think that's true. It, it, it was not true. It was not true. <laughs> it's never true. And it's that sea lioning thing where someone is like, oh, well, can you just explain it to me? And they're doing it in bad faith. And it was so clearly in bad faith that I was just like, nah, Yeah. we're done here. Yeah. And that that sort of frustration, um, it's it's hard to it, it's hard to have conversations with anybody uh, when you have more and more conversations with someone like that who's just you know just there to fight. Yeah, and like they're they're entitled to whatever their opinions are. Like mm-hmm. that's that's sort of how brains work and opinions and I don't agree with them and they don't have to agree with me but but when you it's like coming to oh, the disingenuous it's yeah. like yeah it's just um, let me see how far I can take this before she realizes that yeah right and, and like I'm just not <sighs> having it and moreover it's it's just it just felt kind of gross and sort of unnecessarily gross because like I, I'll have civil conversations all day with people who don't agree with my perspectives on gun legislation but where I draw the line is people saying oh this thing that happened to you your trauma is not real I'm like, okay, now, now we have you problems. Crossed, yeah, you, yeah. Crossed you crossed a, a, like a, a, like a, like a, 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 a like tr- a general human. Well, they're trying line. to dominate you. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah, it's a domination move. And, and like, they only finally shut up uh, after like a day because they just coming kept coming yeah. back on posting. And after like the first twelve hours, I was like, I just deleted everything yeah. that they would post because I was like, nope, 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 <laughs> yeah. nope. And it, you know, and he wasn't responding to people who were speaking up for you. I mean, yeah. I, I, I ch- chimed in a couple of times, and 
you know, I mean, like one of the things he said was like, well, because you weren't directly fired upon. Right. You didn't survive anything, and I and I responded like, Talk yeah. to the military, right? So so the <laughs> right. so the pe- so the Londoners who hid in the subway tunnels during the oh, Blitz yeah, yeah. weren't actually victims of the Blitz <laughs> right. because they weren't in any immediate danger. <laughs> they were just nearby. It didn't really happen. Yeah, and I'm like, them. that's not how that works, <laughs> right? And and this is part of why I do so much talking about this because when we think about what it means to survive gun violence, that needs to necessarily be a broad definition. It's not <laughs> just if you got shot. It's not just if you were yeah. near it. it. Like, it is a complex, complicated issue. Um, and we are uniquely terrible as Americans of talking about trauma and talking about grief and talking about surviving. Like, what it is to live with this stuff. Yeah. Well, and the military gets combat pay. Yeah. Because they're in the area where it's happening. So, I mean, at the very least, you got to at least give that. I mean, think about it from those terms. Didn't you have, I, I, I hope I'm not going back too far. No. Um, you mentioned a book one time about trying to argue with people that are just, um, it's a, oh, I can't think of the name of the book. It was a, it's a short book and you recommended it. And of course I read it and I can't think of the name of it. And it was about people, you can't argue with some people because they're not actually arguing to argue. They're basically, you know, sort of dominating and... I can't think of the I name of it. I don't remember the name of the book. Yeah, and the name tells what it is, too. I'll, I'll look back and see. Cause yeah, I, I don't remember that conversation. Yeah, was, we were on the <clears> air. It sounds unusually perceptive and erudite. So <laughs> it, it might have been, been Stacy. <laughs> no, it was definitely you. <laughs> From evidence-based. <laughs> yeah, but it was, a, it was an interesting book because it was all about how you can't enter into an argument with someone like that because they're basically they're doing sort of what Trump does, mm-hmm. which it's a position. It's a um, it's the it's a battering ram. It's not a it's not a they're not intending to have a conversation right. with you. Oh, it, was it that Frankfurt book on BS? Yes, I think it was. Yes, yes. yeah. Though the title spells out BS. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it was very good because it it it's like oh that's why I have such trouble with people when they start doing that stuff. Yeah, because there's no there's you can't make an argument you can't critically think it's it's basically about pummeling you into submission. Yeah, so and that's part of how a lot of human discussions go, um, which is why one of the reasons why we wanted to do civil politics, mm-hmm. which is the show you're listening to, folks, um, <laughs> if you're just joining us here on Valley Free Radio. Um, I always think back to when I was in graduate school, and I may have mentioned this before, but there was a really, there's a seminal book in the history of science, which was my field, um, called The Leviathan and the Air Pump. It was written by uh, Stephen Shapin and Simon Schaffer. It's like, God, about 30 years old now. And it's basically about the, uh, about a dispute in what was then called natural philosophy between uh, Thomas Hobbes, who wrote The Leviathan, uh, you know, the famous political mm-hmm. treatise about basically we need a totalitarian state in order to preserve people's safety and freedom. <coughs> um, uh, and Robert Boyle, uh, who uh, was writing about his work uh, using an air pump to try and you know, determine, is there such a thing as a vacuum? What are the properties of air? You know, what happens when you take a big glass jar and pu- try and pump all the air out of it and so forth? Um and Boyle published his work, uh, his findings and experiments in a book called New Experiments, Physical, Mechanical, and Hobbes fired back. And I won't go into the whole terms of what they were arguing about. The point is, um, it was as much about uh, what was interesting about it and the, re- and the sort of the theme of thrust of the book is, as much as anything, the style of their discourse reflected their different attitudes um, about uh, 
on a number of issues and also reflected the political division of the time um, <clears throat> because Boyle is publishing these in the 1660s, just after the English Restoration. So, like, you know, the English Civil War, Charles I is killed, there's the, the Commonwealth for a while, this interregnum, then Cromwell dies, the Restoration, and and so there are there's a lot of, of blood in the past in the 20 years before in British history in English history and a lot of tension and a lot of uh, well a lot of trauma and hurt feelings Mm -hmm. Um, and so how does a society manage those kinds of conflicts how do you manage a difference of opinion because of course one of the you know in the 17th century one of the major things people in europe used to do was have violent wars over differences of opinion about things like you know uh are you catholic or protestant you know is the trinity a metaphor or is it a real thing you know whatever so Churches are often at the base of this kind of thing. Yes, yes. Uh, well, and they weren't at the base of this philosophical argument, and they were only tangentially at the at the base at the bottom of the argument in England in, about the sovereignty of the king versus the power of parliament. I mean, to some extent, because yeah. like, is Charles a secret Catholic? But you know, whatever. That's a whole different <laughs> thing. Um, and I, I don't want to turn this into a whole me nattering about history thing. But in a nutshell, um, Hobbes's approach was that. Um, Philosophy is about a chain of reasoning. You set forth arguments and you set them out in a way that's irrefutable. It's like, well, now that I've heard you've explained it all to me, even a dunce like me can see that you are absolutely right and whatever I was saying before was wrong because it didn't agree with you and you're right. And Boyle, um, in the specific field of natural philosophy, but it also sort of permeated out to the sort of the rest of, of social discourse, was like, okay, look. The world is complicated. The world is strange. There's a lot we don't know about it. And we only understand things through it because of our imperfect senses. So we should do experiments and try and figure out things and see what happens in unusual circumstances. And then we should write them up. And then we should have a discussion about them. But we have to recognize that we are imperfect beings. And we can never know things with the kind of certainty that Mr. Boyle, uh, sorry, Mr. Hobbes is advocating. We can't know things beyond any doubt because Maybe we just haven't, you know, pushed the pump to suck all the air out of the glass jar hard enough. Maybe there's still a little air in there and that's changing the, you know, whatever. Um, And he was, you know, specifically talking about like these these experiments in his laboratory, but it can sort of extend more generally. Like, you know, do you remember there's a point at which it's like, how much do I really know? How certain do I really want to be? And that is an idea that I've really come to embrace in my life. The idea of like, do I know? But it gets harder do you rem- to not be a Hobbesian. <laughs> do you remember the horrible thing that was it Ash- Ashcroft said about how much we know the known and the known and the unknown? Uh, He's talking about the attack on Iraq. Oh it no, was, that was uh, uh, that was um, wasn't it Ashcroft? Uh, was he? The, no, he wasn't the Secretary of Defense under under Bush the first, was he? It, it was John one Ashcraft? of the neo yeah it was one of the neocons that it was um, uh, oh oh yeah 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 no it was the other guy I um, can't remember his name it was a we'll think of it, it very memorable his... name but yeah. yeah but the three neocons yes but the, like, there's the known unknowns and the <laughs> unknown unknowns and, yeah, yeah and it was totally a diss it was not a, a reasonable argument but the words were correct they match what yeah. you just said well and and it's a reasonable <laughs> abstract philosophical discussion right you know. Like, we don't know. Like, how do I know that there isn't an invisible dragon living in my backyard? <laughs> well, 
I don't. How do we know that they won't greet us as liberators and put right. flowers down? But um, yeah. Rumsfeld. 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 Thank you. Rumsfeld. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the one who covered up the statue too because he didn't like. No, that was uh, that, <laughs> that was Attorney Ashcroft. General Ashcroft. Oh, I mix them up. If I can break yeah. in, please. He has one of my favorite quotes. Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah. Fire away. Um, you go to war with the army you have, not the um, army you want. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, honestly, that's the only thing that I can respect about the guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and his and his quoting Boyle. Mm. <laughs> I don't think that was really no, that. no. But you know, I mean, I think yeah. we we all understand the idea. It's easy to say, well, of course, there's uncertainty, and and we have to. But yeah, he was basically <sighs> trying not to answer the question. Right. Mm. Yeah. Well, and and part of Boyle's model is, and part of the idea of let's do natural philosophy as experimental philosophy is okay. So I'll go into my lab and I'll do this work. And I'll do these experiments, and the data, the results I get, those are facts. Those are things that I have done, and we can argue about like my methodology or whatever. But like you know, if I if I you know do this thing and I show like yeah, if if you suck all the air out of a glass chamber, you can't light a fire in there. Just you know, that's a fact. So we can argue about what the facts mean. But we don't sort of, you know. Let's shoot forward to today. We were talking about yeah. this off there before we came in. So here's today's big issue. Uh-huh. Yanni or Laurel? <laughs> oh, right. That meme that's been going around. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, this is good, though. Well, and so the, uh, the explanation I've heard is that if you have some hearing loss, you don't have certain frequencies that you hear, and you hear the other words. So I hear Yanni. That's what I hear. And I hear Laurel. Yeah, and and... It's not because it's not the same exact wave file. It is the same exact wave file. I have hearing loss or you have hearing loss in different arenas. Right. And, and it, that makes total sense. Yeah. And and so the fact, whose fact is it? Is right. it your observation or mine? Right. And I come with all sorts of dog whistles. Right. And you come with all sorts of dog whistles. Who, me? <laughs> <laughs> but then um, your comment about uh, Senator... Hummison. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like you found a spot where there weren't a lot of, um, you know, uh, different perceptions mm -hmm. in yeah. one moment in time. And, and different sort of underlying assumptions about what the world is like and how humans should live. And so it's easier to communicate there. Yeah. yeah. But I just love that, that sort yeah. of that, that file thing that's going around because it's like, that's the problem. Mm. Yeah. People do have different facts. Yeah, well, in some ways. Yeah, well, and that, I mean... Or at least their construct and their worldview and their... Context you know, and yeah. upbringing. Yeah. And, yep. and, well, and, and one of the reasons why natural philosophy became sort of the experimental science that we're familiar with today that has, like, professional scientists with graduate degrees and so forth, that wasn't true in, you know, the 1600s um, at all. But uh, one of the reasons that they wanted to go to that you know, that model was started to win out was it's like, you know, our senses are imperfect and they vary from person to person. So, you know, it's like, I can clearly see that that is red and it's like, no, it looks whatever to me. And it's, it's like, a little well, orange. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. A little orange. it's like, it's like, or is the problem that <laughs> and like you have different cones in your eyes, right? right? right. We talked about that. One I mean, time. you know, or is the problem that I'm colorblind or that you're just seeing it wrong, you know, or whatever. So, or it's lighting. Right. Exactly. It's so dress. all, Exactly. The dress is a perfect example. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. But so so the, the point is just, you know, that was one of the reasons why it said like, okay, let's do experiments and let's replicate them and stuff like that. It's sort of grappling with the problem that like we don't all live in exactly the same world. 
Well, and that's setting aside the whole like, this world is a dream and I'm actually making it up and I am living in a nutshell like Hamlet or whatever. You know, that's a, well, let's go back to Gregory Mendel. Oh. Maybe after the break. All right. That, we'll do that after the break because I'm, I'm getting the <laughs> face from the producer. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a short break here on Civil Politics, play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs, and then we'll be back with more fascinating discussion of, uh, well, whatever Sue was about to talk about, Gregor Mendel. <laughs> I hope I remember when we come back. Write a note right now. Anyway, we're taking a break. Uh, don't go away. We'll be right back. Classical music on Valley Free Radio. Tune in to Andi Musique Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. for an hour of beautiful music to start your day. Hosted by Lucy and Larry. What did they just say? If you often find yourself asking that, you may benefit from the new audio-enhancing technology available at the Forbes Library in Northampton. Designed to work with or without a hearing aid, the new and improved audio-visual systems in our meeting rooms, along with countertop loop systems at our service desks, are some of the new technology the library now has. With federal funds provided by the Institute of Museum and Library Services and administered by the Massachusetts Board of Library Commissioners, you'll now find hearing the librarian and guest lecturers a whole lot easier. Call 413-587-1017 or email info at ForbesLibrary.org to find out more. The Lilly Library is filled with adventure and wonder for kids and adults of all ages. Lilly Library in downtown Florence lends books and movies to everyone. They offer free parking, free Wi-Fi, and two-hour sessions on internet-connected computers. They also offer extensive programs for children, including story hours, clubs, and activities for teens, as well as adult programs. The library is open Tuesday and Thursday evenings, Saturdays and Sundays. Find out more at lilylibrary.org. Hey, Mom, how about this game? What's it rated? Uh, let's see. T for teen with violence and suggestive themes? Uh, no. Video games are fun, but not all games are right for all players. Look for the rating symbol and content descriptors and read the rating summaries that tell you what's actually in the game. <sighs> this one better? Huh, much. For more information about ratings and rating summaries, visit ESRB.org. This is Professor Howard Zinn. The independent, non-commercial radio station you're listening to is really important in the maintenance of democracy. Thomas Jefferson once said, an informed democracy will behave in a reasonable manner. So if you care about being informed, if you care about democracy, if you're a reasonable person, you are, of course. Please support your source for uncensored news and views and the voice of your community. Hi, I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! You're listening to Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM in Northampton, Massachusetts. Today, community broadcasting is more important than ever. Corporate interests affect what music we hear on commercial radio, and real news and opinion take a backseat to ratings and profits. Valley Free Radio is owned by its members, operated by volunteers, its programming created by your friends and neighbors, and it's wholly supported by the community. Please consider going to www.valleyfreeradio.org donate to support free speech in the Pioneer Valley. Thank you so much. Anthony, Mom said to take out the trash. But it's freezing outside. I know, but if we keep putting out lots of trash, it will warm up. Huh? What are you talking about? 
Global warming. Our trash gets burned and makes greenhouse gases. I kind of wish it went to the landfill instead. Methane is so much more effective than carbon dioxide. But why do you want to make global warming worse? I want to live on the beach. But the beach is only a few blocks away. Right, and if sea level comes up enough, we'll be beachfront. Melt those icebergs. Hey, I put all those papers, bottles, and cans in the recycling bin. Why'd you put them into the rubbish? I read on the South Shore Recycling Cooperative's website, SSRC.info, that it takes a lot more fuel to make paper, bottles and cans from, ahem, virgin materials than from recycled stuff. Burn more fuel, more greenhouse gas. Before we know it, those obnoxious Sullivans across the street will be underwater, and I'll be having beach parties in the front yard. You're nuts. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke, and you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Probably still true. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow. I'm still here with Sue Timberlake yeah. and Genre and our special guest this evening, uh, Ann Tallheimer. Hello. And <laughs> Sue, you were mentioning something about Gregor Mendel just to... Yeah, just to shoot back into to, history because, yeah. you know, we've sort of been all over the map today. But uh, what I wanted to say was that he, he did experiments mm-hmm. and you said he was um, 1700, you think? A, early 1800s, sorry. Early yeah. 1800s? Oh. Yeah. Um, but That's anyway, yeah. he did lots of experiments and they were picture perfect. They were so good. And in retrospect, everybody's like, how how did they, how were they so perfect? He threw out the bad data, the data that didn't fit his mm. hypothesis. Yeah. And here he is, this great father of sort of, you know, genetic, experimental genetic, scientific work. Yeah. yeah. And uh, heritability and recession and all that. And and he was throwing out data. So even I mean, we're all we're all guilty of sort right. of, oh, that can't possibly be true. That's not true about the guy I like. You know, me and Chris Christie. You know, you guys are always all over me. So, <laughs> but what do you do when people in different camps throw out? You know, like the NRA clearly mm-hmm. gets rid of anything that has to do with right. um, well, statistics they don't like. Yeah, that was one of the one of the digs about you know for our people who are climate skeptics like you know like there's they're massaging the data and it's like you know like you cut out some of the data that like from any experimental work you do because some of it's just junk you know some of it's like oh the thermometer was broken that day or whatever you know so But so in terms of politics and the gun laws, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I mean, those. everybody's really oh, yeah. <laughs> s- struggling with that. And uh, the red flag stuff is really sort of, it's... It's um, it's, it's moving along. It is? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. I wasn't sure where Massachusetts was because I haven't tuned. So, I was looking. Yeah, yeah. give us an update. Well, the and la- remind us what those are very oh, briefly, okay. too. So a, a red not flag- everyone listens every week. Ah, well. <laughs> so uh, the red flag law that we're talking about, uh, otherwise known as the extreme risk, uh, the the ERPO bill, the extreme risk protection order, which is House Bill 3610 that we've been talking about um, a fair bit. The last time I was on, we were talking about trying to get it out of committee because it had been referred. There have been a couple of bills sort of on this, um, but they had this particular one had been referred out to the public safety and homeland security committee oh okay and um we were pushing to get it out of committee because we wanted to vote on it and it actually came out of committee 
um, not only with a favorable recommendation, but a unanimous favorable well, that's recommendation. Interesting. Which is unusual for this particular committee. Wait, is that at the state or federal level? State. State, okay. state level. This is a... Um, mass. Yeah, mass. there's no federal level legislation like this yet, uh, but there are a number of different states. Oh, because they still leave a lot of this to the correct. individual states, which right. is why there's all different permitting and background checks. Right, and then you get into sort of like which state has which background check and who needs a permit where, and if you cross state lines and then this. I know is, if I go into New York with a gun, even with my permit, I go to jail. It's it is yeah. I yeah. I am personally just me in favor of a universal background check and something at the federal level because it is a lot of um, it is a lot of headache not just for law enforcement in dealing this with this but also if you are a we talk a lot about responsible gun owners right but if you're someone who has a gun and you want to take it across state lines because you're participating Can't in a do shoot. It. Yeah. It's very hard Can't to do. Can't do. It's really hard, particularly if you're going across part of the country and you're going through six or eight different states with six or eight different laws. It's it's a challenge. And like, I, e- even if you've, like, locked it in a, in a strong box or yeah. something. There yeah. was a woman who went to New York and did everything they asked her to do. Dismantle it, have it in a case, turn it in when she got there, and they still put her in jail. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 And it's just because it's, it's kind of a messy thing. But, you know, my guys, my Republican guys, mm-hmm. have tried to go the other way where if you don't need a permit in Nashville— if you're from Nashville, you don't need it when you're in Massachusetts, and that's not good. Yeah, I have opinions about that. Oh, I bet you do, given the, <laughs> given what the fellow yeah, did the, it. Yeah, and the concealed carry reciprocity stuff. I, 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 yeah. I, the problem with that is that it makes the um, lowest standard. Yeah, the lowest standard becomes the law of the land. And in Massachusetts, we have really good, really comprehensive, common sense gun legislation. And something like this would just throw all that out the window, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is unfortunate. Well, the situation for carrying a gun in rural Montana is perhaps a little different than sure. Vermont, Mass. even right. <laughs> or if if you were in Alaska, yeah. You know, depending on where you are, you are going to need potentially need a rifle. But I was camping up there, and I was really glad somebody had yeah. a handgun. Yeah. You know where there were grizzlies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, I'm really glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 it's it's not a huge threat, but it's a real one. Right. Well, and actually, it's a huge threat when it when it catches up to you. <laughs> right, and we can also have conversations about the difference between like a rifle and a yes, yeah, you, you know, something that is a much higher capacity weapon. Um, different things for different applications, this sort of thing. But yeah, I think comprehensive gun legislation is the way to go. I mean, my goal is always to keep guns out of the hands of people who are too dangerous to have them and it's the people like there are plenty of folks who are not dangerous with guns we have this as part of our second amendment i'm not against all guns but i'm we got to work harder to keep them out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them and this these red flag laws yeah what these these are sort of and there's a couple of states that already mm-hmm. have good ones yeah but massachusetts this is a new initiative for mass or yeah. is it a more we're a little bit behind the curve on this one because usually we're sort of at the forefront of this common sense gun legislation but basically a red flag law would be if you are a family member or a household member with someone who is in some kind of crisis right um mental health crisis or financial crisis, risk of self-harm, risk of doing harm to others, some kind of something that is of grave concern, you can actually go to the court and petition to have this person's guns temporarily removed from their custody. So this is a life-saving piece of legislation. I talk about this as a life-saving legislation kind of thing all the time, but it, it is not hyperbole. This is actually saving lives, and we've seen it in states that have it. 
Um, and did Florida pass it after Stoneman, I right? I believe they did. Yeah, that's. And, I think I remember that. And everybody was shocked because the governor's a Republican. Right. And they passed it with a bunch of other things. Yeah, and, yeah. and the thing that it most, um, most directly affects is suicides. Like in Massachusetts, we oh, see right. a lot of, like primarily what we see are, are suicides with guns. And this kind of legislation would prevent that because um, a lot of data has shown that um, if, if there is successful intervention, people do not attempt again. People do not, um, we talk about this as sort of intervening to get people the help they need. And this is a way to do that. Sort of an intervention that, yeah. that can be successful. Yeah. So uh, under the terms of uh, 3610, mm-hmm. um, how, like, they'd have to go before a judge. Right. And the, the judge would have to hear the, hear the arguments mm-hmm. and issue uh, a, an order. How long would the order last? So the order, uh, when issued by the judge, is issued for a year, for a period of a year. But they take the guns right away yeah. and then have the hearing, yeah. right? They yeah. don't wait it's for a court date. Yep. Yeah. They just, so you can, it's almost like pink papering in uh, the yeah. psychiatric world. And there are some places. For your protection, just right. quick. There are yeah. some places where police chiefs can already do this, but sometimes they don't or someone reports and it's. And there's also the like, is there risk of harm? There, it's complicated. It, it's you know, um, and so this particular one, the person can petition after that one, like at any point during that one year period. If it's something where it's like this is temporary and it's three months have gone by, they've received treatment, they can go back to the court and say, all right, I'd like to revisit this. Yeah. It's not permanent. I'm feeling much better. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it is not a permanent. I don't thing. really want to kill my wife anymore. Uh, right. Well, <laughs> uh, and everybody like every situation is a little bit different. Yeah. And mostly we've seen it in terms of self harm. Yeah. So, so, so if I were to get an ERPO against somebody, mm-hmm. for example, are you looking at me? No, <laughs> no. I, again, folks in Radio Land, you don't know this, but I'm sitting between the two of them. That's why or, I sit over here. <laughs> <laughs> or if or someone decides to get one against me, mm-hmm. like they'll come and take the guns right away. But then, like, if it's sort of credible, yeah, like, if, if I, it's I, credible and like critical, right, right, right. And if but, it's but not the, somebody that's been trying to hurt you and you have guns and they're you right. know, family but, member or household member. So, yeah. but the court hearing is going to happen soon, that shortly thereafter. Yeah. Four, yeah, fourteen days. I think so. 14. Okay, within fourteen days, and like I can bring an attorney and have them present evidence for me, right? I mean, yes. this is right. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. So well, I just I wanted to be clear, yeah, like yeah. what was involved. Yeah, you know? it's it's not a, sort of a we're taking them good luck. Yeah, you know, it's it's also connecting folks with help. It's also getting folks the help they need. It's 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 a process. It's a process. It's definitely a process, and, and it's, it's a consistent process that can be applied in across the Commonwealth rather than right now what we have is sometimes police chiefs will intervene and sometimes they won't and sometimes people get arrested. Yeah. You know, it, it becomes an immediate arrest and, and penalizable offense, whereas this is more of an intervention. Yeah. So it's in the House and we're right. basically waiting for a vote. We're kind so, of expecting it to come up this month. So, you this know, month? I, I don't. Yeah, we're thinking it's going to be this month. Oh, wow. good. So That's I don't hope. I don't have any guns, but like if mm-hmm. someone came and did this against me and took away the guns I don't actually have. Okay. Um, right, but that wouldn't be on my criminal record. Like if someone does a quarry check, it's not like, oh, Erpo. But the chief can share it because that's what Dar- uh, Chief Casper was saying to mm-hmm. us was that yeah. right now she she knows of people that she would be worried if and she got the permit right. request, she'd know not to. But if they move yeah. to another town, mm-hmm. she can't tell them. Right. It, whereas this would make it so that you could say... Mm-hmm. this event happened so it right. does put it on your record in a way but i don't think it's criminal it's, I, I think it's more mental health it's right. like being um committed well it's just that's an important thing because yeah. like you know mm-hmm. like hey i'm f- you know that was five years ago i'm much better now but like what do you mean i can't get a job you know 
Yeah, I don't think it's a felony thing. Right. I think but I mean, it's you a know, civil procedure. I just, right. I, that, and that's that's the thing. I think so. I don't know, but I think so. Well, I and that's so. that's the thing. Yeah, it's, it's and this like, is all, if you go to the um, Massachusetts State House website, all the bills are there, and you can search for 3610 and read the actual wording of it. Right. I'm sure John Rowe is throwing a link to that up there soon, he's, if not already. I think he's on it right now. <laughs> yeah. What was the number again? Uh, 3610. Thank House, you. House 3610. House 3610. Yeah. Um, but that's great. So it came out of committee with favorable. It came out of committee with favorable, uh, uh, like a unanimous favorable recommendation. And then Speaker the Speaker DeLeo actually came out in favor of it too, oh. which was we were pleased to hear that. That was yeah. exciting. He yeah. had a press conference. Folks were there, and it was it was a big announcement that he's he's behind it. So well, this terrible event today maybe will help keep political pressure on them to mm-hmm. do something. You know, to to continue yeah. to think about it because things tend to just fall off the table and disappear Mm -hmm. can i talk a little bit more about how people can get in touch with their legislators on this one yes all right so (laughs) one of the things that i do is i do a lot of work with every town for gun safety i serve as an every town survivor fellow and i talked about this i think a little bit the last time i was on but i'm one of about 120 people nationwide who are trained in story sharing training and meeting with legislators and kind of trying to um share our own story to put a human face on what gun violence looks like uh, and what survivorship looks like. And so in being involved with that organization, I'm also involved with uh, Moms Demand Action. And so they have this really cool text-to-call technology. And, like, I I love my cell phone. I'm a big nerd for this kind of thing. And um, you can actually get connected to every town and to Moms Demand Action by texting a couple of different things to 64433. So you can actually try it on your cell phones right now if you want, because this is usually the part when I I kinda... usually don't have good signal in here, ah, but yeah. So... Um, 624433. 64433. Mm-hmm. And that does what exactly? So if you text the word safety to 64433, you actually, it'll text you back and ask you for your address because they want to see who your legislator is. And uh-huh. you can type in your address and it will connect you to your legislator. And it won't be the Russians. It will not be the Russians. Oh, good. Because I'm a little paranoid. So it's yeah. not the Russians. <laughs> um, and so what happens is you'll get a call back before you get connected to your legislator. And if you do it during business hours, you'll actually get a person in the state house. If you do it off business hours, you might get connected to, because in the state house, they have sort of a, like a one hub and sometimes calls get redirected out from there. So you might get connected to someone who's not actually your legislator. Um, but you'll get a call back giving you some kind of key points about what to say to your legislator with a very familiar voice. Oh, nice. I actually got nice. to do the recording for it. So, um, yeah. So if you text safety to 64433, it will auto connect you to your legislator. Oh. If you text act, you'll get connected to every town. Um, if you text orange, O-R-A-N-G-E, mm-hmm, it will connect you to um, where orange is this uh, upcoming initiative that we're, we've, we've been doing for the last couple of years. Um, it started in Chicago in honor of Hadiah Pendleton, who was a teen who had been shot and killed. Her friends started planning a memorial. Orange was her favorite color. As you know, it's also the color used for high visibility. I was just going to ask you if it yep. had to do with hunting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so what it is, is it recognizes um, June 1st as National Gun Violence Awareness Day. And we're actually doing a short program again in Holyoke. We did this last year. We're doing it again um, at Holyoke City Hall from 4 to 5.30 on June 1st. 
and we'll have a couple of speakers. I'll be there. We have a mayoral proclamation. Uh, Alex Morris's office has been working diligently on this. My expectation is that Aaron Vega will be there. He's putting forth an initiative in the state house as well. He's a rep. Yeah, he's, he's a house rep. rep for I want to say the Fifth Hamden. He's our rep down in Holyoke, and he's he's pretty awesome on this. He's been a really good ally. He's been a sponsor too on some of the bills. Yeah, he's yeah. co-sponsored some of it. He's done a lot of really good legislation, and I've met with him a number of times about this, and he's he's on board with us. So. Um, last year he also put a proclamation forth in the house and this was so cool because I got like I have the proclamation in my house on the fancy with all yep. the signatures and all this with the little gold seal and the stamp yeah. and the yeah <laughs> and because I'm a big nerd um, I wrote thank you letters to everybody who signed it because my mom taught me to write thank you letters nice. and it was a good opportunity for me to respond to these legislators and say I this is why this is a really important yeah. story to me and I actually got a couple of notes back from some of them who were like, nobody ever thanked me before for <laughs> signing on to something. Yeah. Usually they just call me when they're angry about something. Yeah. Accountability is wonderful. And I, transparency. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very powerful. It's it's awesome. I'm like, this is democracy in action. Like, I got a thank you note from a person who signed on. This is so cool. Um, and more people should do it. I mean, I think for so long and for so often, folks are like, ah, politics is painful or difficult and I'm not interested. I'm overwhelmed. It's been really difficult da, 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 da. Like, it used to be a people business yeah it really did you yeah. know especially before all the other ways to communicate and we still get a little bit of people business i mean i'm in holyoke so we got some we got to talk about holyoke politics sometimes <laughs> well, you'll have to come back <laughs> I'll have to come back an all local edition yeah. um but but yeah it's 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 fascinating and it's interesting and so much gets done at the state and local level that um I just people should get registered to vote. People should reach out. People should meet their legislators. People should get like because we're in an election year. We're starting an election cycle for things that are going on. Get um, knowledgeable about who's on your ballot. Oh, and register to vote. Yeah, too, right? register to vote. Yeah. Speaking of which, I just want to mention again because I've decided this is a good thing for us to try and. Uh, close out every show with is just to mention like you should register to vote, and if you're in Massachusetts. Um, you can go to the uh, Mass Elections Division uh, website. It's a uh, you know run by the sec- maintained by the Secretary of State, and uh, there are links there to talk to. <clears throat> sorry, so you can register to vote online there. You can sign up for an absentee ballot there. Uh, you can find out where you would go to vote based on where you live. Mm-hmm. You can also double check to see that you are registered where you think you are registered. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, and that'll also give you information about like who your reps are at both the, the, the state and the federal level. What was that again? Uh, the Massachusetts Elections Division uh, is the was the thing at the top of the page. State Mass US. State I forget US. exactly what the web address Look is. Look for Galvin. But, but <laughs> search Galvin. for Massachusetts Elections Division, and that should get you there. Yeah. And um, uh, if you wanted to vote in uh, the state primaries, which are being held on September fourth, you needed to register by August fifteenth. If you want to vote in the general election coming up November 6th, you need to register to vote by October 17th. Um, And if you live in East Hampton and you're registered to vote, uh, uh, this coming Tuesday, May 22nd, uh, we're voting on the special ballot initiative uh, to approve uh, uh, going forward with building a new combined uh, uh, elementary and middle school, a K through uh, K-8 school um, in town. Uh, there's some controversy about it. Um, it's certainly going to be expensive. It's going to create an increase in property taxes because of the regressive way we fund schools in Massachusetts. 
But uh, on the whole, I, I'm, I personally uh, am, am in favor of it. Uh, it seems like something we need. It seems like the people who have uh, been working on this project for years have really uh, done their homework and found the most cost-effective uh, ways to, to build a new school that's really going to serve the needs of the city for some time to come. Um, obviously, if you feel differently, uh, if you're registered to vote, you should go and, and express your views at the ballot box uh, next Tuesday in East Hampton. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, sorry, we had a couple of minutes left. Oh, no, that's... I just, yeah. I- that's awesome. <laughs> People should vote. It's so yes, fundamental it's to fixing things yeah. is to get yeah. involved, especially locally yeah. is fun, actually, in some ways, because yeah. you really can see the outcome of it a little bit. You exactly. know, the stuff in Washington, sometimes yeah. you just feel like you're flogging a well, dead horse. And we had Mayor Nicole LaChapelle on, was it three weeks ago now? I think it was three. Ah. Anyway, but... Uh, Maybe four, because we had um, the chief of... Yeah, well, yeah. you can certainly search the archives, uh, the episode archives at civilpoliticsradio.com to see the uh, interview. Uh, we had her on the show, and we talked about uh, what was going on with the school. And we also did a supplemental discussion with her afterwards that uh, we didn't broadcast because, you know, we were out of time. But that uh, you can listen to both of those things from our website, which is civilpoliticsradio.com. So, right yeah. on. So, Jamar, you were about to leap on with something. Right. Um, since we talk about this uh, periodically, I just wanted to give an update on net neutrality. Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. The Senate has voted to preserve the net neutrality, uh, the net neutrality uh, rules that are getting Keeping thrown out. Schedule two, not schedule one. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are due to get uh, to end on June 11th. Uh, it's oh, going so to the go. House has to vote. Yeah, it's going oh, to the House, right. which is going to be a lot harder, um, and then it has to be signed by the president, which is going to be very much harder. Um, so it, everybody, like like uh, Mike said, remember to uh, register to vote and to call your representatives if mm-hmm. you th- if you think that net neutrality uh, should be preserved. Um, and, and the more good- the more important thing is. Since there is an actual vote, then we know who would support net neutrality, and we and you can take that into consideration when voting this this fall. Oh, the midterms, and yeah. it's w- worth doing even if you're like, oh yeah, my my state rep, you know, my uh, my representative in Congress, they're totally going to vote the right way on this. Like they appreciate hearing from people and knowing that their constituents are. That they're actually representing their constituents in ways their constituents want. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, always nice to thank helpful. them when they do stuff right. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, we all, it's, you know, you can call up and be like, "I disagree with you on this point," rah. But it's always good to call up and sort of say, "Thank you for your continued advocacy on this issue." We you, noticed. Yeah, we yeah. noticed. Yeah, um, we know that our our delegation is behind net neutrality. Like the Massachusetts delegation, I think entirely is is behind net neutrality, as far as I know. Um, but it. Uh, like we say, call call them and say thank you for not being a jerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always, so that's all. It's always nice. And you should put it just like that. Well, so. competition is good, so the Republicans have no excuse about not being in favor of net neutrality. I, I agree. You know, it's such a principle. It's so amazing to me. And usually it's money, I think, changing hands that mm. has put this oh, yeah. at risk. Well, it's... We're running out of time, but like, and this is something we could talk about on another show, but just like, it's the tension between what does it mean to be, you know, pro-capitalist and pro-free market versus being pro-business? 
because, you know, one of the reasons why cable companies are big now is because they were awarded a monopoly status in the 70s for sort of provisional temporary reasons that made sense when in a particular context and just never went away. They wanted because, them to invest. Because yeah. it's because yeah. the money is great if you don't have to fight with people, you know, and compete yeah. on pricing with other options. I know? love it when competition breaks out. I'll leave it at that. Well, it's <laughs> it's the the logic, the good logic behind free markets. Yeah. So anyway, but I'm getting the, the hurry it up symbol <laughs> from my producer. So uh, uh, we are going to finish up tonight's episode of Civil Politics here. Uh, just to mention, uh, uh, we do upload podcasts of this show to Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, uh, iTunes, other places you can get podcasts. Uh, we do that. Uh, Jama does that on Sunday mornings. And uh, coming up next, we have some great music shows, Subculture, Table of Contents, and OK Asia. And then we've got more good music into the, into the night. So uh, thanks for listening to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. We'll be back again next week. Good night. This show is part of the Planetside Productions Network. For more information, please visit www.planetside.pro. And thank you for listening.